This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. This episode is sponsored by The Alcohol Experiment, a free 30-day challenge designed to interrupt your patterns, give you control, restore your health, and put you back in touch with the version of you who doesn't need alcohol to cope, relax, or enjoy life. More than 220,000 people have already tried The Alcohol Experiment for themselves and have seen improved sleep, increased happiness, reduced anxiety, and so much more. Join thousands in this inspiring, hopeful, and exciting program where you examine your beliefs and reconnect with the best version of you without ever feeling like you're missing out. Start today for free at alcoholexperiment.com. Hello, everybody. I'm Scott Pinyard, head coach of This Naked Mind, and I am back with another edition of Coaching Questions and another fantastic coach, Martha Wright. How are you, Martha? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. I'm so thrilled to be here. We're thrilled you are here. So Martha is one of our certified coaches and she focuses on the wine and food culture and industry. Um, She also is really knowledgeable in the world of alcohol-free beverages. And another place that she likes to coach on through this process is cultivating new interests. So Martha, I kind of want to start with that last one first, cultivating new interests. What does that possibly have to do with uh, the world of being alcohol-free? Well, it is really normal to feel a little bit of a void when we go through this process of making alcohol small, removing alcohol for our lives, from our lives, we realize that it was taking up a big amount of our time. It takes a lot of time to plan to drink, to drink, to recover from drinking. And so people can find time on their hands and maybe concerns about what do I, what do I do in the evenings or what do I love? Um, in my case, after 20 years in the wine industry, um, I realized that so much of my personal life and professional life were all blended together and that it really was wrapped up around wine and wine tastings and being the wine hostess. And so I just want to encourage anyone to realize it's totally normal if you're sort of wondering, what do I even like to do? And I also feel like for me, alcohol was sapping my energy and motivation to do things. And, And what was so bothersome about that is that my personality is, is one that is really interested in trying new things. And, and it was very validating. I only recently got into the Enneagram and Mm. I barely know anything about it, but I did discover that as a type seven, one of the qualities is really liking new things. And that was helpful to me because I realized, oh, that explains a lot. And so what is, has been so freeing with alcohol out of the picture is having the time and space and energy and motivation to get out there and try things and pursue interests. So I, I love helping people with that process. I definitely think the first step though is giving ourselves a lot of compassion to realize 
it's okay. It's normal. If you're wondering, what do I even like to do? Um, you know, we just, we can help guide through that process. I can't agree with you more. I, the new interest that I've developed since I quit drinking, um, I'm not going to bore you with showing you, but I'm looking over here at a knitting project I'm working on. Uh, like that was something I started doing. I wanted to do stuff with my hands, getting back involved with music, getting back involved with community and volunteering. Like it was amazing. And I, what I love about the fact that you wrote this on sort of the, the, your areas of focus is that not a lot of people spend a lot of time talking specifically about like the real honest and true joy that we get to experience on the other side of it, right? That's what these new interests are. I mean, like finding something that makes you happy to do. Um, I know that sounds silly, maybe if someone hasn't gone through it, but the reality of it is like that is massively, massively inspirational. It is, it is so important. And one thing I could say is to frame it. If this feels, if you feel nervous about that or you feel scared or bummed out, like I really don't know what I, I feel boring. I, I feel like I don't even know what I'd be interested in. Try framing it as excitement about the possibilities. Yes. How cool is that? And no matter your age, if you are a recent empty nester like I am, wow, let's look at this as an opportunity. You know, I, yeah. I, get, to, I get to start, uh, you know, all over with, with new interests. Or I can look at, as inspiration, I can look at things that I really enjoyed doing as a kid. And one of those for me is roller skating. So awesome. my recent uh, interest is, is roller skating. And I had such a thrill um, earlier, well, last year in the um, fall, being able to visit Southern California and connecting with a fellow coach, uh, Brandy B, and getting to roller skate with her <laughs> on the boardwalk you know, up so and down the coast of California. And, yeah. you know, what was so great about that, that, that I just want to say, is, you know, the buddy system. So once I had said to her, Hey, maybe we could roller skate, you know, then I almost didn't want to back down. We, we yes. said, well, we could go walk or we could, maybe we could do something safer. The, the fun thing was, is that for both of us, it was the first time skating in, you know, years, a decade. And we kind of pushed each other and it was a riot. And, you know, we, it, was, it was so much fun. And we were laughing as we were skating along the boardwalk thinking nobody out here knows that we don't know how to stop. I mean, we're just yeah. going, but neither of us knows how to break or turn around, <laughs> but that's okay. So, you know, we had so much fun doing that, but, you know, there are all kinds of things that you can do to think about, well, what did I enjoy doing as a child? Um, you, if you're in some kind of forum, you know, you could definitely post um, in, you know, this naked mind or the alcohol experiment, Facebook groups or wherever you are and just invite people to chime in and say, what are you doing right now that you're enjoying? Let, let's pool our wisdom, get some ideas from other people and you know, other things that you can really do would be to um, subscribe to a newsletter in your area that is all about events happening. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely 
you know, I think that um, there's so much that's opened up to us online. It's amazing. And yes. you on a platform like Coursera, there are thousands and maybe even tens of thousands of free courses that you could take. So um, if you're, you know, like me and the idea of kind of getting back to school, I miss school and I miss the idea of getting to learn stuff. So all these free courses, um, some interesting things um, like the developments that Airbnb is now doing online experiences. Yes. Um, so they have done these wonderful in-person experience, but they took that virtually. So you could take a cooking class with a family in Morocco, or you could be learning a language, uh, you know, learning Chinese with someone around the globe. Um, and, you know, I just, I think of the, the idea that give yourself permission that it, it doesn't, um, we need to sort of schedule these things. Give yourself space mm -hmm. to, to put intentionality into it. Yes. That's not too forced. It's, you know, we might think that sometimes. Is that too forced if I, you know, have to sort of schedule this? No, that's exactly what we need to do to kind of push through that inertia. Um, so just get together with a buddy and kind of push each other to go research something you might like to do. And um, I also want to say, I'm a, I'm a dabbler a, a bit. And that used Nothing to- Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Thank you. That, that used to, I had to do mental work on that. That used to bum yeah. me out. Like what is, what's wrong with me if I don't just do one thing and then become an expert at it. But it is true that there are, we are different types and the world needs <laughs> us dabblers. And that's fun. You know, that's part of that, that personality type. I like to try lots of things. Exactly. So don't feel like you have to identify something that you're going to just then, you know, win a ribbon at the whatever competition. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that. It can be something you try once, you know, just, and a great place to do something like that would be um, an art studio where mm. they offer tons of different classes. And again, we've, you know, said online looking for things. Um, but yeah, I love the idea um, of doing some outdoor things because I spend time on the computer yeah. and then really looking for things that I can do outdoors. So I love it. Such good options and advice there. And like I said, it's like an often unexplored uh, part of this process. Speaking of unexplored, I kind of buried the lead a little bit because you talk in uh, what you submitted for the podcast about the wine and food industry. You, Martha, have experience there. Um, so tell us a little bit about that. So I have been in food and wine for, it's actually 25 years. I, I was, um, I worked as the marketing director for Food Network Chefs. And then my husband and I founded a winery first in California and then moved to Oregon and just work so completely immersed in that world and you know, constantly hosting events. And ours, what we did in the wine industry was very educationally focused. We were educating people about the wines, particularly from Burgundy and Champagne. Um, and I was taking those wines out into the market to you know, chefs 
and to retail shops. Uh, so very much my identity was, was wrapped up in that and my colleagues were all winemakers or restaurateurs. Really? So, you know, just um, coming to a place of questioning alcohol and realizing that, you know, this is, this is what I do for a living, but I'm, I don't feel good. And I'm, yeah. I'm comparing my drinking to others and saying, you know, that I actually drink a really normal amount for the wine industry. I see people around me drinking even more than I do. Sure. And that, that kept me stuck. Um, you know, obviously it was so normal for my um, industry, but that kept me stuck, that thing of looking for some kind of outside, you know, answer outside of me. Yeah. And the big breakthrough, um, and I knew I was collecting little signals and, and symbols. And um, I, I remember something that first pierced my bubble of, you know, this is all okay and it's normal. It was an article that I think might've been in Mother Jones and it was about the connection, uh, the very firm, uh, irrefutable science behind the connection of breast cancer and um, alcohol. And yeah. I, I, it kind of, you know, just blew my mind. And I thought, why am I not seeing this kind of bold, clear, article and, and I just filed it away and I kept drinking. And then I remember a really interesting thing. And if this woman were ever listening to this, I would love for her to reach out to me because she had a big impact on me. At one of our tasting events that I was hosting, a, a, um, everybody's drinking wine, of course, and we're talking about the wines and we're, and a woman came up to me and she was the only one not drinking and she'd written a message to herself on her wrist to remind her that, you know, in moment by moment, this is reminding me that I today, right now, right this minute, am not drinking. I choose not to drink. Wow. Well, I've never seen anything like this at one of our wine tasting events. And yes. I was curious. Yeah. And it, it was this kind of moment of saying, wait a second, you mean that's possible? The idea that we voluntarily opt out of this thing that is so normalized in our culture. And again, another moment of being rocked back on my heels, like, wow, filed it away, kept drinking. Um, and, and, but, but I say this because someone out there listening might be doing the same thing. You might be collecting these little signals and that is great. That questioning is how this whole process starts. So the day that the breakthrough happened was when I suddenly had this realization, oh my gosh, I'm asking the wrong question. It's not about how my drinking measures up to someone else in the wine industry. The only question I need to be asking is, how do I feel? And that just like changes like the clouds parted or something that changed everything. Yeah. But then I still didn't know what to do. Right. And it was shortly after that chance encounter, someone introduced me to the alcohol experiment. That is amazing. I love that. And I love too that. I mean, you were, you were in a deep, right? You were very, very heavily involved in that culture, but then still being able to open your eyes. I mean, to me, that is, 
that's a that's proof that you know once we do shift the way we think into this idea of how we feel um lots of different things are possible i want to actually leverage uh that experience and ask you one of our questions today are you ready yes awesome all right so question number one goes like this Hi, I am a veteran of the food service in industry. In one way or another, I've been working in restaurants for the last 30 years. Bussing tables, waitressing, bartending, hosting, managing, I've done it all. And five years ago, my husband and I opened up an Irish pub. Now I'm looking to quit alcohol. I know there's a lot of advice out there about not being around alcohol while you're going through this process, but that's just not possible for me. Am I stuck? So I can relate. You can imagine how very I instantly much I thought can... of you when I read this question. Yes, <laughs> yeah. how very much I can relate. Well, I would one just say that to know it, it helps so much always when we know that we're not alone, um, and and because this is um, so our alcohol culture is so pervasive and we don't talk about the fact that we're having questions internally. We just don't do that. And um, then we think we're alone. So it's, it's really important to realize that there are other people in the food and um, alcohol industry that are feeling the same way. And in one of my recent, in my own coaching practice, I do small, I guide very small groups through the alcohol experiment. And one of the recent groups I did, I had five people from the wine industry. So mm. that is normal. I also would mention that here in Portland, Oregon, I attended several meetings of a group that is made up of people from the food and alcohol industries that get together to as a support group uh, of, and they're all sober. And so there is definitely a movement in the, you know, food and alcohol industry to talk more about how can we stay healthy in our industry? Because we are an industry that is really susceptible Very to alcohol um, abuse. And it's no wonder we're talking about very long hours, late, late nights, high, high stress, and then some cultural things that are just um, institutionalized, like the shift drink at, at the end of your shift. That's a really big deal. And you're surrounded by it. People who sell wine or any type of alcohol are walking around with their sales bag and it's filled with open bottles at the end of the day. And I mean, it's your job to go out and taste it. So all of that. Um, so just know that there is a growing conversation around that. Um, one platform that I could recommend is called A Balanced Glass. And it was founded by two women in the wine industry and they just wanted to make more visible um, and kind of raise the, the level of the conversation around how do we stay healthy in our industry? So they are, mm. they put out a newsletter, they have a, um, a Facebook presence and they are publishing really fabulous content about how do we, stay healthy? How do we support each other in this industry? How do we support each other with our mental health and know that that is so important? How do we support each other in our physical health? So there are platforms like that. 
Um, and then there is a group called Ben's Friends that is particular to the, the food industry. And it is a um, sober support group. That's so awesome. there are some platforms like that. Um, but I also know that there, I know some, you know, I know many chefs, especially right here in Portland, that are sober, that are still finding a way to stay connected to what they love about their industry. And some of the things yeah. we love are the connection, the hospitality. There is a lot of people feel, I think people who are drawn to this industry when they're real givers. And they feel there's almost something sacred and almost like a ministry of being able mm -hmm. to serve people. It is a beautiful thing. So, you know, there are ways to stay connected to that aspect of it. What do you love about that serving people and bringing joy and making, you know, people happy? Um, and then I really encourage anyone that's just deeply invested in food and, and alcohol and wine, think through what you love about it. And some of the things might be the, the knowledge and learning about food and um, alcohol and wine, the almost like the chemistry. If you love that kind of stuff, like the way I did, maybe get into making your own kombucha or making your own sourdough. You know, there are other ways to play around with the science of fermentation. There are other ways to fall in love and stay in love with layers and layers of flavor and the nuances of flavor and where does flavor come from? So you could do such a deep dive in tea, coffee, cheese or chocolate. And with mm -hmm. each of those categories and more, you can get into the provenance, what soil, what region of what country produce this flavor profile. And you can really, you know, get into that. And it sounds a lot you know, like wine. It's so much like wine. That's exactly yeah. right. It's, um, it's so much like wine. You can, each of those food categories is a world unto itself. And, you know, maybe what someone loved about the, you know, food and wine, maybe they had an active tasting group and there was camaraderie around that or a cooking group and there's camaraderie. For those people, I would say, again, there's so many cool forums, either in person, but now online. One is called For All Drinks. This is a mm. great platform for um, getting together and you can have virtual tastings of these non-alcoholic products. Another awesome. one is the Non-Alcoholic Beer Appreciation Society on Facebook. So this is a place where you can come like geek out on beer and beer science, but with other people who are not drinking. I, that is all amazing. And like, yeah, I think everything that you just said there points to the idea that literally this person and anyone else who's in the, the restaurant industry or the food service industry is not stuck. I think what happens and what's really interesting to me about the this naked mind methodology is that a large part of it is based on second guessing or second thinking about some of the cultural narratives we have, right? I'll, I'll take as an example that you just put out there the idea of the shift drink, right? Why do you have to have a drink at the end of your shift, right? What if you just sat down and had a glass of water or seltzer or a fancy alcohol free drink, which I'm going to ask you about next? Right, like what is actually going on there? And I know for me, it was absolutely mind blowing when I started 
questioning those things because I just never done it before. Um, and another interesting thing, particularly because this person owns a restaurant, um, I like to point this out, being around drunk people is awful, but we don't, we don't often know that or recognize it if we've been drinking. So this person actually has an opportunity to kind of see from, uh, from an observer perspective what alcohol is doing. I mean, we know about the horror stories, right? We know about DUIs, we know about violence and that sort of stuff that happens. But there's so much more that happens to us when we start drinking. And so from the standpoint of, of this lady, and I'm not sure what she does in the restaurant, um, but there's an opportunity there to really get an idea of like, what's going on with me, right? Like, how am I changing when I'm doing this? That can be really, really powerful. So, so true. And that is reminding me that the really big point I want to make is, again, about framing this, framing this as an opportunity. How cool is this that because you are in that industry, because I am in this industry, we get to be a big part of a very new conversation and yes. we get to help build a better drinking culture. So as an example, um, there are a, uh, just two that I know of, Oregon wineries that are offering non-alcoholic tasting flights in their tasting room. That's amazing. And that is going to grow because what was interesting is I connected with those industry, the winery owners and um, we did do this sort of privately. We met together and we, you know, talked to each other about, are you feeling this way? Oh, I'm so relieved to hear someone else say it. And it's almost like we encouraged each other. I felt emboldened and bolstered by them to write a big article to the in entire industry saying my apologies about being a, a winery owner who really didn't in the past accommodate non-drinkers. So I wrote an article entitled, you know, my, my apologies to the non-drinker. And it was all about what I would do differently now in a tasting room and why not have kombucha on tap or yeah. nitro. You could have nitro coffee on tap in your, in your tasting room. Now, what this does is it's the perfect example of radical hospitality. The, we want radical hospitality that increases the options, the attractive options for everyone. And the more that we can do that, you know, what happens then is other people hear about that and they get interested and they're, they're coming to support you. Um, you then influence. Um, one of our coaches took that article that I wrote to the winery association in Eastern Canada. And now an entire winery association in Eastern Canada is you know, reading my article about how can we improve the hospitality we extend to the non-drinker and allow them to be seen. Because of course, there are great reasons to not be mm -hmm. drinking. And so for, for this person in the restaurant, what a great opportunity to be ahead of the curve and be among the first restaurants, bars to say, we see you and we yes. support you. And we don't have to have this thing in our culture where we divide up. If you're a drinker, you have to go to that kind of place. If you don't drink alcohol, you have to go to this kind of place. 
Let's create spaces where it's totally normal to be together. And that means on your restaurant or bar menu, it's proudly stated, listed. Yeah. You know, here are non-alcoholic beverages. People come up with all kinds of cute ways of saying that, by the way, you know, um, so like the clear headed options or the, you know, I don't know, the, the, you know, uh, whatever it is, superpower, you know, yeah. you're, whatever. And you, you don't say, oh, we'll make you something non-alcoholic. Of course, anytime you just have to ask us. No, it's, you make it really visible it. and, yeah. you know, you'll be amazed because Next thing you know, maybe someone writes an article about your restaurant or, yeah. or pub because you're doing that. And then other restaurants follow suit. So that it is really cool that we can think about what, how we have an opportunity and a unique opportunity from within the industry. Uh, because some people might say to me, you know, how can you do this? How can you, because I'm still in this industry, how can you do that? And I think that, that really is my answer is that I feel like I can help make it um, yeah. a better drinking culture from within the industry. So uh, we only have about five minutes left, but I would be, after that answer, I would be remiss if I didn't try to fit in a question about alcohol-free drinks. Um, this is something, and I will say, I like, three out of every 10 emails we get is asking about recipes and ideas and is it okay? So I'm going to, I have two other questions. I'm going to kind of crush them together and I'm going to ask you two questions um, that I think uh, so many people have about this idea of being alcohol-free. Um, so the first one, uh, people write in all the time and they say, should I drink alcohol-free beer? Isn't this going to be triggering to me? Isn't there a little bit of alcohol in it? So first question is, are those sort of alcohol-free drinks, quote unquote, okay? Uh, and then the second question is, is what are the best alcohol-free options you run into? Um, I get asked this all the time and specifically because this is one of the things you, you talk about. I'd love to hear your answers to both of those. All right. Well, the first, uh, the place to start is to say, why would we do this? Why would we even entertain the idea of non-alcoholic beverages um, and alternatives? And the really important part about that is allowing us to Stay in the ritual. Super important. I find that very helpful because we realize that that end, that shift drink, what is that really about? It's about the ritual. And you're so right. We get to question that and say, does that really need to be alcohol? And so what, what I want to encourage people to do is stay in the ritual and, and stay social. And um, at the transition time, at the end of the day, uh, do pull out a very pretty glass and yeah. pour yourself, stock yourself up. If, if you're embarking on this you know, journey just and you're brand new to it, make it special and get some supplies that you feel you're going to have fun with. Even if it's just a, a Topo Chico and lime and mint and, you know, or a little syrup from a local company. Um, but it's important to honor that ritual that's the part I think is important and not saying, oh, we need to be relegated to the, you know, just yeah. boring old, you know, soda. So I think that is important. And again, I think it contributes to a better drinking culture when there's an acknowledgement that there should be very attractive options for the non-drinkers. Um, and so then in terms of, is this good or not? 
I really think that there is an, a bit of this, an element of this that is gonna have to be gut instinct of each person uh, discerning whether it's going to feel triggering or not for them. What I recommend is if you're just embarking on your 30 day alcohol experiment that um, at the very beginning, I think it makes sense to just really stick with the sparkling waters and maybe, you know, splash of fruit juice, that kind of thing. Um, I, I just personally don't think there's any need to get into making a mixed drink with an alcohol-free yeah. gin or, you know, something like that. But, but again, make it kind of special. And there's some that I would throw in there that really aren't trying to be any kind of alcohol. And an example would be Lagunitas Brewing Brewery is very well known, a cult favorite of craft brews. They make a product called Hoppy Refresher. And what it is, is hop water. Now, this is not trying to be a beer. It's, yeah. a, it's a sparkling water, but it's got the essence of hops. And it's really enjoyable. Uh, so many people I've poured this for have absolutely loved it. That would be to me an example of a great option really early on. And once you've gotten through the, the alcohol experiment and then you're kind of thinking, how am I wanting to go forward? I think then is a great time to, to play around with some of these. And at that point, start to use your instinct about whether this feels triggering or not. I will say that I work with a lot of clients that do not find it triggering in the least. Yeah. And um, I do feel like people really, you will kind of know, you're going to kind of know whether in your gut, whether it feels triggering. If you also, if I think, sorry to interrupt, but I think it yeah. changes. Like, I think for me early on, I tried an alcohol-free beer. I have this story I tell about holding a, it was actually a root beer bottle, but it was a brown bottle and I started to feel uncomfortable with it. And like that, I, I just, I poured it in a glass and I was fine and I loved the root beer. And I never, because of that, I never really, you know, it just felt too triggery for me. And this was like six months in, this wasn't like the first day. Um, but then fast forward and I'm like three and a half, four years in, and I love to grill and have a Heineken zero, zero, right? So like, it's not a problem then, but it was a problem for me before. So the fact that it can change over time, I think is important to recognize. And there isn't a right answer. That's a, such a great example. And um, that's so true that it can change over time and to not be afraid. Like what you were doing was just staying aware. Let me, yeah. I'm, I'm trying this. I have this bottle in my hand. How is it making me feel? Just stay aware, but don't be afraid of that. You're just going to stay aware and say, you know what? I didn't like this. I'll give an example of one. There is a product that is uh, promising. All of their verbiage is all about the rise. It is alcohol-free, but it is the ingredients are nootropics. And so these mm -hmm. are plant-based mind-boosting chemicals. So they're natural chemicals. And it's a very popular thing. You're probably going to see it advertised to you on your Instagram feed. Yeah. <laughs> and what was interesting is, you know, all the, all the verbiage about the rise that you'll get this sort of natural buzz. And I tried that. Um, and I, I was feeling pretty solid in, you know, on my sober legs, I was feeling pretty solid, but right away I could tell, I didn't like that this was giving me the idea that I should be expecting a buzz. And mm -hmm. also the verbiage was saying, don't drink more than two, 
this out oh. servings of this and please drink responsibly and right? I, just, I thought <laughs> you know what this this particular beverage even though it's non-alcoholic this is not for me i'm not yeah. interested in a product that i'm now looking for this sort of altered state um so you know i do think you kind of use your own um guidance there what i some of the things i find super interesting about this this whole world of non-alcoholic beverages is one, it is growing by leaps and bounds. It is so exciting. It's growing extremely fast. The producers behind these brands are very passionate and creative. And so um, if someone's was way into wine or way into whiskey, I think you're gonna have fun kind of getting on some of these online forums and kind of having the same sorts of conversations and there's, there's passion behind these products. Yeah, um, I recently found I was I was way into whiskey and I recently found uh, Ritual uh, yes. and it's amazing. It's not the same. Right. So it's not it doesn't taste exactly the same, but there's something about it that I, I really enjoy. I have a bottle of it in my kitchen now. I mean, I probably have it like once a month, um, but it's great when I want it. So, right. Yeah. Right. And and it what what's also great about these is it's a whole new world. The packaging is beautiful and sophisticated. And again, that yeah. gets back to the being in the ritual and having a really attractive options for everyone. These are bottles that you could give to someone, bring it to, to a party, and people are gonna not say, oh, that's so sad. What, what you know, this non-alcoholic thing. It's exciting and people are gonna ask, oh my gosh, what is that? I wanna try it. That's what's yeah. making all of this such a game changer. So for me, Monday gin, was a revelation. Mm -hmm. It is, it's great packaging. It smells heavenly. To me, it smells better and tastes better than gin. That would be an example. But the honest truth is, Scott, this is, there are so many now. I have a really detailed list of um, all my favorites on my website. Um, and so, you know, I would give that website out if that's okay. Um, which is clearpowercoaching.com. And on the resources page, I list some of my favorites. And this is after tasting more than a hundred different products and counting. <laughs> and, um, you know, I just love it. Some of those, the, in those listings, I include some discount codes. So it's worth checking out. And I, I'm going to constantly update it because I, you know, this is, Again, you can see how I took that passion I had around wine and I'm just really putting it into yeah. these, these beverages. But people can just know that it's um, these online forums and communities that are coming up around the products. They're very inclusive. They're very creative people. And it feels fun to join in a virtual tasting and yeah. you know, learn directly from the brewmaster. It's gonna keep changing fast because you know all the major brands are getting involved. Guinness just announced they're you know launching a, a non-alcoholic. Like I said, Lagunitas is now doing an an IPA. You know that's NA. Yeah. Um, so they that also tells you that there's money there. Coca-Cola yeah. got into launching a yes. alcohol-free cocktail product, and Coca-Cola, Heineken, Guinness. Budweiser and Bacardi, they're not doing this um, for charity. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So obviously the market is there and the great news is that means we have arrived. It's a totally new day.
in terms of non-alcoholic beverage alternatives. I love it. Thank you for all of that. It's tons of good info. Uh, let me ask, I'm going to ask you our curveball question, Martha. Um, and I do this to all of our coaches at the end of the episode. Uh, so your question is, if you could turn into any animal, what would it be? Um, I would have to say a dolphin. Really? That is interesting. Why do you say dolphin? Dolphin. Well, they, they're very playful and they are communicators. You can, you know, that you can tell that I, I like to talk. <laughs> I enjoy a good conversation Yeah. and I love the idea of staying playful. So I'd have to say a dolphin. That is a fantastic answer. I love that. Um, so thank you so much uh, for joining me. This was really great. If people want to find out more about you, Martha, where can they do that? On my website, clearpowercoaching.com. Uh, tons of free resources and definitely always um, the opportunity to book a free chat and see if there's just anything I can do to help. I would love to support you on your journey. That's so good. Thank you again. This was really fun. And thank you to everybody who is listening. I will be back next month with another edition of Coaching Stories. Until then, take care. Did you miss this Naked Mind Live? And do you maybe have a little bit of FOMO? But don't worry, I've got you covered. In fact, I had the entire event professionally recorded and it's available digitally. Transformation in your living room. Yep, that is what it's all about. You can grab your digital ticket at thisnakedmind.com forward slash digital ticket. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today. Thank you.